Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of Responsive Design Weekly Podcast, a weekly podcast all about front-end web development and some other funky stuff as well. My name is Justin Avery and I'm the host and curator of this podcast and the Responsive Design Weekly Newsletter. So this is edition 69 if I haven't already said that and um, the first thing is that the RWD uh, podcast is closing down but not this one though there's another one another one which is uh, more popular uh, by uh, much much more clever people uh, Karen McGrain and Ethan Marcotte you may have heard of Ethan before Uh, he's fairly popular in the responsive circles um, they have been doing a podcast for the past couple of years. They got up to like edition 157, maybe more, um, and it's been fantastic. They have gone around and talked with a whole bunch of companies about how they have moved from uh, the the old style of building websites uh, to responsive and, and really focused around not just technical challenges. Um, in fact, they probably stayed away more of, from the typical technical challenges of like responsive images or performance or anything. Um, and they're focused more around the organizational change and um, how businesses uh, and companies have dealt with that change rather than like how has the the web team sort of approached it as well but um they've been great and it's been such a such a really good podcast and uh they joked and they're going to start an amp podcast now all about uh, accelerated mobile pages which they're not really going to do um because i think i don't know if you've read any of ethan's stuff but i'm not sure he is the biggest fan of the uh of the accelerated mobile project um but yeah it's it's sad to see them hang up uh that that podcast but i think it will go on just in a different vein like they'll they'll change the name they're talking more and more about um just the way the web is being built these days and i mean i'd love to do that as well like i really want to change this podcast name but i'm just a little bit lazy i set it up as responsive design podcast and uh, i think the topic has changed and and the style of the podcast has changed over time the name doesn't really need to it's like css tricks it's uh, it's not like css tricks but css tricks isn't just about css tricks it's about a whole bunch of stuff but everyone kind of knows it for that Anyway, um, so sad to see that go, but um, Ethan and Karen, I hope you bounce back with a new uh, a new named podcast really soon because I'll, I'll miss hearing you guys on a weekly basis. Uh, the other thing too, uh, the I'm going to give it the sponsor for this week. It'll be uh, Back Pocket Notebooks. Um, uh, we did a whole series of notebooks for Smashing Magazine. So for their four conferences coming up this year, worked with uh, Smashing closely along with their uh, amazing illustrator as well and have produced these uh, conference notebooks which are all done, printed and have been sent out to the next conference which is running in San Francisco in a week's time which is pretty exciting. Um, and then they move on to Toronto and to New York and Freiburg um but yeah so that's been awesome so if you're looking for uh, some pretty cool swag conference notebooks uh, head over to backpocket.co and check out the custom options there as well now this week uh there's been a couple of announcements they've had uh, an, another conference has been going on an event apart uh, which is the a list apart version of the events a list apart. Event apart is the event version of a list apart, um, which is the blog version of a book apart. 
a list apart was there first. Um, but a book apart, um, or oh, sorry, a list apart had a conference on. Let's go slowly. And they uh, they had some they've had some great things over the years. So uh, responsive web design was first coined and and presented there by Ethan um, and. Uh, I think a list apart and the events and the books associated with it are kind of really associated with big moves in the web industry. So big, huge things that have come about um, have all kind of been funneled through that, I feel. Uh, and this uh, uh, this week, there's been another one um, where Jen Simmons talked about uh, intrinsic web design as potentially being the next big thing. And it kind of it culminates in all the things that herself and um, Rachel Andrews has been doing over the past uh, couple of years around grid and layouts. And Jen probably has the best grasp of, of how layouts have been changing in the web, um, better grasp than anyone else that I'm aware of. So this, this talk was really cool. Um, so we're going to share uh, the slides. Um, I think the slides need a little bit more context around what they mean. So Jeremy Keith has written a really wonderful article on his blog um, covering all the things that Jen covers. And I'm looking forward to seeing the video when that comes out. And and on Jeremy as well, there's another announcement. Um, uh, he is written another, or he has written another book. Uh, last, I was going to say last week, but it wasn't last week. But the last time we did the podcast, I talked about this uh, service worker's uh, one size fit all approach, which Jeremy has done, sort of like a plug in and play for uh, for a service worker. Anyway, so Jeremy has written a book for a, uh, a book apart, which you can pre order now, uh, and it comes out later in April, and it's all about offline. So offline websites, uh, it's like a offline. I'm not going to say offline cookbook, uh, but it's an offline book, uh, and. It's um, all about service workers, essentially, and how you can build progressive web apps. And speaking of progressive web apps, the thing I should have said at the very beginning, like this, so this, if you're going to listen to anything I say this week or this year, this is a big, big week. So at the end of last month, 31st, I think it was, um, if for all of those of you that are listening that have an iPhone and uh, you'll notice in your settings, if you haven't already, there's a little uh, red exclamation mark, which will, or like a, a signal to say that you can update. And this is updating, I think it's to iOS 11.3. And it sounds a bit boring. <clears throat> Not the biggest release of all time. Uh, but the one thing that it does have is that they are finally shipping service workers. So yeah, it's 11.3. I've just had a look. Um, they're shipping service workers now on Safari that has built into iOS 11.3 and they've also shipped it on your Macs as well. So anyone running uh, OS X, oh geez, what is it? Um, Mac OS High Sierra. Uh, they've now released 10.13.4. Anyway, the big thing is iOS devices now support service workers. And the big thing about this is it now means that you can have offline websites and progressive web apps on all phones. So not just Androids that are running uh, Chrome, but uh, Safari now on the iOS devices give you the ability to run a progressive web app, web app, web app 
that will run off the home screen. You can add it to the home screen, and then when you're offline, if you're in airplane mode, if you are without a signal, you will be able to visit that site and still access all of the content that uh, it has allowed you to access because you've um, enabled service workers or because service workers are enabled on that site. So this is the, the reason this is such a massive thing is uh, if you said to anyone, hey, do, do you want a native app? And they're like, yeah, we definitely want a native app because that way people can access us on the home screen and people will be able to access us when, when they're in an airplane and they don't need the internet to be able to access us. The, the content's always there. This is it, but it's on the web. And you don't need to install it at all. You just visit a website and it will be on your phone if you've got service workers. So it's a massive thing. So if you if you were thinking about pushing progressive web apps uh, or, or running service workers, then and you were holding back a little bit or you had clients that were holding back a little bit because they were kind of like, well, we could do it, but you know what? It's just for the Android market and that market's not that big for us and our bosses only have iPhones, so they're not going to see any benefit. That's that's now gone. So everyone as they update will now have this and it's it's huge. It's really big. So if you've got any clients out there that, that were sort of, uh, tossing up between the two or or even just they didn't know about it go and tell them now because having a uh, a site that still works while you're offline is just invaluable like that there are so many occasions um, while I'm traveling that this would come in handy so it's time and if you tie it back into Jeremy's um, or for, for the last edition where we talked about um, the one size fits all it's not even that hard to implement really Okay, it is hard. I'm not going to do the a whole um, like just npm service worker and there it is. It's still it will take some testing and stuff. It's not a walk in the park, uh, but it is definitely something you should check out as well. Uh, so yes, service workers. I'm so excited about that. It's so very cool. Um, one of the other things that I saw this week was uh, a post from Brad Frost, uh, who seems to be blogging a little little bit more now. Um, Brad had a baby recently. Congratulations on that, Brad. That's super cool. Uh, and he wrote a post on uh, themable design systems, and it's all focusing around CSS variables. And he talks a little bit about the CSS uh, Zen Garden. And for those of you... Um, who don't remember the CSS Zen Garden. It was at a time where we were coming along on the web where we decided that we, not decided, we were, uh, people with web standards were trying to push the fact that you can separate content from design and that all your design elements should be in CSS and just leave the HTML to itself. And uh, David Shea, I think it's Shea, uh, he created this website called CSS Zen Garden, which had a whole bunch of classes applied to the elements, uh, so loads of styling hooks, and people could submit their own CSS, and they could drastically change the look of this website just by producing this different CSS. It was like this big, aha, I get why CSS is cool now. I get why we should go with it. So anyway, so, uh, Brad talks a bit about that as a kind of a precursor. And um, he looks at uh, design tokens and a multi-tiered variable system. So for a long time, we wanted uh, like variables in CSS. And one of the big problems we have or over the, in the history is that like um, 
Facebook, for example, if you looked through their CSS file a while ago, um, from a brand point of view, they had like 23 different versions of their color blue because someone added one and and left a number off or grabbed a color picker and didn't quite hit it perfectly. Uh, But there were just different variations of it. And we should never have that. We should always have one value called brand color, um, which you then apply to everything that needs the brand color. Now, SAS um, worked really well for this. So this is one of the great things about SAS is that you can have variables. And so you do like dollar sign brand color, and that would be equal to like a particular hex code. And then throughout your CSS or throughout your SAS files, wherever you wanted that brand color to appeal, appeal, appear, you do color, color, geez, my language today. You do color, colon, and then dollar sign brand color. And that would then, when you processed your SAS, uh, it would then s- replace that variable with the the hex code and you would have consistency throughout. So it was great. And then recently, uh, we've got the ability to use CSS variables. So without even having to run a preprocessor like SAS to be able to produce this stuff and therefore only having the variables within the SAS files, you can now create variables within the CSS itself. So to create a variable, uh, you would do a dash dash. So when you create a class in CSS, you'll do dot and then the name of the class. Um, if you were to create an ID selector, you'd put a hash and then the name of the ID. Now to create uh, variables, you put two dashes. So dash dash, color brand, and in Brad's example, he's got color brand Starbucks green, for example. Um, so let's say we do dash dash color brand green, dash dash color brand red, dash dash font family primary. And then after that, you, you declare it. So dash dash color brand green and then hash 00704A, for whatever the hexadecimal is for green. So you declare that. Uh, in your CSS itself. Um, Essentially, if you are looking at uh, the difference between that and SAS, SAS has dollar sign and then the variable name, whereas CSS has dash dash to replace that dollar sign. Works the same way. So once you've declared that, so that's the first level, then you can move to uh, a second level where you declare other variables. So the next level variable... um, might be something like dash dash primary action background color or dash dash font family heading or dash dash border color. Um, So yeah, the second level versions of this. Um, And then what you would do is you map the first tier variables to the second tier variables. So again, using the example, you might, uh, if we're looking at the primary action so before we talk about the mapping so the first tier we declare the variable and then we apply the value so dash dash brand color green and then we apply the color green so the hexadecimal for the second tier we are declaring let's say we're going to do the uh, primary action background color Um, so we do dash dash primary action background color 
Uh, we haven't assigned anything to it, but what we want to do is we want to assign the variable for the color, the green color brand, to that variable. So you could apply variables against variables, which is pretty cool. Uh, and whenever you want to reference a variable, you type in var for variable, and then uh, parentheses, and then the name of the, the variable. So var parentheses dash dash color brand green parentheses. So you apply that variable to your new variable for the primary action background color, which is quite cool. Um, and then you can even go a third tier as well, um, where you might say uh, dash dash button background color, which you then apply the variable for your primary action background color, which then it also links back to the original green color that you declared as well. So you end up with this kind of hierarchy of variables, which can get kind of confusing, but it means that if you ever want to change a theme, like if all your buttons were green, it's because you've got this hierarchy. If you ever want to change those buttons from green to blue, you only have to change it in one area. So Brad has this whole article which probably explains it a lot better and it's easier to read and, and view than uh, hear someone mouth blog about it. Uh, but yeah, so Brad Frost, great, great article. And then he's got these um, uh, code pens as well, uh, which are the theme switchers. So he's got a whole bunch of button examples and you can move through like five different themes and see what they look like. Um, and then it goes into a different, uh, like he, he steps it up a level as well and does themes for like, card layouts where you have like an image a title a description and a call to action button and as you move through the themes all that's happening is they're just updating those variables the the primary variables and by updating those primary variables you have these really vast changes in your ui layout and what that allows you to do is you can have this uh, code base so if I'm a company and I own lots of different brands and I want to keep my code base for my websites really similar, uh, so the HTML is very similar, but I want a different brand experience, then I can just update these brand values, these high level first tier CSS variables. And all of a sudden I've got a single code base for the HTML and the CMS, but the CSS then makes it look the way that it needs to. It's a really, really cool technique. I, I really like it. It's like, probably you're probably sitting here thinking, well, why wouldn't I just do that with SAS? Um, you, you could do, but it sort of gets rid of the need for a preprocessor um, and, and takes more advantage of these CSS variables that are, that are now here. Uh, there's a couple of other things this week too. I saw this uh, really great use. So I'm a big fan of uh, web VR and web AR. And uh, I saw this great use for AR. Um, although I am a fan of the web AR stuff, uh, it is still quite a way behind what you can do with the native AR stuff. So uh, I'm hoping that it continues to catch up and I'm, I'm doing lots of exploration around uh, I'm trying to get planets to grow out of notebooks at the moment, which is a kind of cool experiment. Um, but it still is a little little way away. But this example I thought was really good and it's from eBay. And uh, the articles are thinking inside the box. Which is like a, that's a cool title. Uh, and what it is is there's um, if you've got the eBay app uh, and you've got a reasonably uh, recent phone, 
that has some kind of like AR kit within it, uh, the app will now allow you to point the camera at the thing that you're selling. And what it will do is it will calculate the dimensions of the thing that you're pointing at and it will give you the options for the type of packaging that you can purchase. So it'll be like, oh, you need a small box or a medium box or a medium side loading box or a big box, a large box. And then it also gives you the USPS flat rates for the shipping as well. So I think it's really cool. So instead of learning, oh, how much would this cost to ship? <coughs> you kind of point your phone with the app that you're probably using to upload your product anyway um, at the product itself and it'll be like, well, yeah, this is how much the box is and, and this is how much it's going to be to ship that box, which I think is super cool. And I think as we um, as we move on, uh, more and more of these sort of inside the box things and we'll realize like uh, this was so much easier now that we've got this augmented reality where we can overlay other information on something which we normally wouldn't have had other information um, and the experience is so much better because of it I, I can make a much more informed decision to have to do as much research and I think like within two or three years we're going to look back and go how how do we get by without this AR stuff like we just sit there looking stuff up out of context all the time. So I think it's uh, I think it's going to be really cool, and I, I think it's a great use of augmented reality. Uh, I also saw uh, an article from CSS Tricks this week, which is like a quick little tip, which I quite like. Um, when you're using Flexbox or Grid, I sometimes I always have because um, I don't code build sites as often as I'd like to. Uh, I always get confused or I forget how to align something uh, vertically or horizontally and I'm always just like randomly punching in the term to uh, to hopefully get it. Um, and it's always like between is it justify content or is it align items? I can't remember Do I, if I want to center it um, vertically or horizontally. Now, uh, there's a post by Robin about it and he's saying like, uh, justify content is a longer word so that is the horizontal axis and align items is a shorter word so that is the vertical axis um, which I think that's a that's a great idea like that's that's cool um, whatever helps you memorize it for me it was um, whenever you because like we kind of grew up writing in word processors uh, and also using WYSIWYGs and you'd always have like the left align text, right align text or justify text. Um, even if you uh, used to type in Photoshop or InDesign or um, uh, Illustrator, you've, you've still got that, that kind of left align, left align, right align and justify. And, and when you justify it, it stretches it out on the horizontal axis, right? Like along the paragraph it, it just stretches it out so it fits and so for me that's how I remember like oh, justify content oh yeah that's on the horizontal axis therefore the other one is on the vertical axis so that's how I remember it anyway but I thought that was a, a nice little trick from um, from Robin and the final thing is this little uh, a little tool um, which I wanted to give a shout out for uh, if you go to uh, carbon.now.sh uh, is the link for it. It's a project by Dawn Labs 
and it's uh, a great way to uh, create and share beautiful imagery of your source code. So you can copy and paste your source code in there and it will automatically um, color, color code it for you, which I think is brilliant. And then you can uh, either tweet the image or save the image down. You don't even need to do a screenshot. It gives you the uh, thing straight away and it puts it in like a little console type thing as well. So really great if you're doing um, presentations and you need to be able to... Um, you need to be able to show like a little bit of coding in your presentation and you're only using um, images really grateful so if you're not using like a browser-based presentation tool uh, which has high uh, syntax highlighting or something so i use keynote and what i used to have to do is um i just alter the colors i'd copy and paste it from sublime text and then i'd have to alter the colors again because it would just copy and paste it as black um, and I think syntax highlighting in a presentation, when you're doing a presentation, it's not a great idea to have loads of code in it anyway. And I break my own rule all the time because I feel like I need to explain stuff too much. Um, but non-syntax highlighted code is just really hard to understand. Like You need to give your people watching uh, as much opportunity as possible to be able to decipher what's going on in the screen. Uh, but this is a uh, great... Um, if you're going to be using like just images and drop it in there, it's really beautiful uh, and quite quite lovely. Um, and you can you can download the images as well. Like I said, uh, the other thing I noticed as well uh, as a as a tip, if anyone does it, uh, if you use uh, Code, so the Microsoft uh, Visual Studio Code, which I'm using more than Sublime nowadays, uh, if you copy and paste from that, for some reason it especially into um, uh, into PowerPoint or into Keynote, it maintains the uh, color coding. It puts a background color in there as well. Um, so yeah, copy and paste from, from Visual Studio Code if you have it, or check out this uh, Carbon at carbon.now.sh. So that's it for this week. Um, again, a reminder, iOS now supports surf swaggers, which is really cool. Um, I wish I could get more excited uh, about it, um, but that's it. That's that's what it is. Go and um, go and push push for it. If you are hesitating, now is the time to embrace the service worker. Um, go and get Jeremy's book and read all about it and how to implement it, and just go and take his one size fits all approach to our service workers as well. Put on your site, see how you go. Remember, you need to be running your site securely, so HTTPS uh, for service workers to work. But yeah, definitely go check it out. Uh, one thing I should point out too is um, the uh, service worker implementation on the iOS devices, uh, they do not support web mentions, I want to say. very. Please write in and tell me if I'm wrong there uh, or tweet me at reswebdes. Uh, but uh, on Android, you can have notifications pop up, which is fine. Uh, but on iOS, it doesn't support that yet. But there's no reason why it shouldn't moving forward. We'll see how that develops. Oh, and so before I go, one more thing. So this is something I found out maybe last week when I was doing um, some augmented reality stuff with the phone. And try, like I said, I was trying to get planets to come out of notebooks. Um you know, QR codes, right? And 
like we're like we'd see QR codes and we're like that's so pointless like who uses QR codes no one when in fact it's like massive in Asia because everyone uses them um, but there was it used to be like oh there's a QR code I've got to download a QR code reader and and now I have the QR code reader I've got to fire up the QR code reader app and then I've got to point that and then it's going to send me off like it was just a real pain in the butt to be able to do it. Then I noticed that um, like on Firefox on iOS, uh, if you clicked into the search bar or the, the URL bar, it had a little icon on the right-hand side for a QR code and um, it allows you to, like it just fires it up. So if you open your browser, click on that, then you can point it at the QR code and it will go straight there. I was like, well, that's cool for, for Firefox. Um, and then when I looked at Chrome, because um, I don't use Chrome that much anymore, uh, it didn't have the icon in the URL bar. But when you do select the URL bar, um, just above the keyboard, it contains the QR code. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. So that's helpful. Maybe we can use them a little bit more. Um, and I'm like, well, what about Safari? And I went to Safari and it, and it didn't have anything for QR codes. And I was like, well, this is the built-in browser. It really should have it. Then, which is the cool bit, I realized that um, if you see a QR code, if you open your camera on, and I'm only going on an iOS device because that's what I have in my hand and what I use. And I haven't tried it out with an Android yet. But if you open your camera just regular camera app and point it at the QR code. It registers it as a QR code and you get a little notification that pops down to ask you if you want to open that QR code, uh, whatever it was, usually it's a URL, um, in the browser. So you don't have to open the browser. Um, you just have to open your camera to take a picture of it. You don't even need to take a picture, you just point at it and it will automatically pop up and say, hey, you probably want to open this, let's go. So I, I still see QR codes in the in the Western world, around London and tubes and stuff. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a, uh, it potentially will come back a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I was amazed at how easy it is to, to fire something up um, using the QR code. So they're not all bad. And if you do see one, there's some quick ways to like get access to it. Because who wants to type these days? Not me. Not with my fat thumbs. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you for uh, downloading and listening to the show in your podcast catcher of choice. Um, I did a podcast the other week as well, actually, two weeks ago uh, with uh, uh, Block Thinking. So uh, Werner and uh, John... Uh, interviewed me about um, the responsive design stuff and uh, about back pocket and having side projects and it was a super cool chat it went on for ages because as you can tell I can talk quite a bit um, but it was really cool I don't know when it's coming out um, but when it does I'll I'll, um, I'll mention it as well and I'll link it up um, but that was loads of fun so thank you Werner and John for, uh, for having me on that was loads of fun um that's it for this week uh yeah if you like the show please rate it up uh in itunes it's really cool uh tell people about it uh, if you want to sponsor the show then please do uh send in um 
uh, your sponsorship information um, and what you would like me to mention. If you're running any events, if you're looking for amazing people to work with you and you're doing amazing work, um, get in touch. I'll mention that there's a job going at your place of business. I am happy to mention your events as well if uh, if you're offering um uh, discounts for uh, for listeners as well so I always want my listeners to benefit from things um, but I'll only mention things that I think are cool as well which isn't me being elitist I just want to mention things that I think is cool um, but there yeah, that's it if you want to uh, listen to some back catalogs you can head over to responsivedesign.is slash podcasts uh, follow us on twitter at reswebdes and if you are not following along in the newsletter that comes out weekly unlike this podcast which is a little less um uh less consistent um you can subscribe at responsivedesignweekly.com or responsivedesign.is at the footer that's all from me i hopefully will talk to you next week see you then bye